This is Eric Corey. Now, whether you're a regular listener or if this is the first Different Story podcast that you've ever heard, please take a moment to check out my new website, a differentstorywithericcorey.com, and you can drop me a note. You can also like or follow or subscribe on any of the social media platforms where these podcasts can be found. I would greatly appreciate that. This podcast of religion is bound to get me on the wrong side of somebody. Religion is such a deeply personal issue that most people firmly attach themselves to. And it doesn't matter if you're a devout Catholic or a Muslim or a Christian or a Hebrew or a Hindu or an atheist. Everyone has strong feelings on the subject. And yes, even the most hardcore atheist has faith. Faith that there is no greater power than themselves and that we just rot in the ground after death. And the belief that there is nothing magical going on in this great big universe at all. Now, to absolutely believe that clearly takes a leap of faith every bit as much as believing in the resurrection. Faith is to believe something that you can't ascertain with a mathematical formula or a litmus test. It can't be proven in a test tube or with volumes of statistical data. Faith is just a personal belief that we choose to cling to and not something that you can hold in your hand or or show to your friends. Now, the faith or religion that we choose is almost always as a result of the family you were born into. Throughout history, people have followed the religion that they were born into just as the color of the skin they were born with or the location of the planet they were born on, or most importantly, based on the commitment of the parents that they were born to. And those of us lucky enough to be born to responsible parents with firm convictions will do well, regardless of our location on the planet or the color of our skin. And those who are not, well, they will have it a bit more tough. Since the dawn of human consciousness, we have been raised by parents who have indoctrinated their children with a common belief system that has been handed down from generation to generation, all of them different in a million different ways, but almost always as a belief in a higher power for which they are then taught to pray to. And so it has gone for thousands of years wherever communities of people have formed. All around the world, groups of people would join together under a common faith of a specific religion that cements the alliance and it grows their numbers and then they form civil societies. It's the very thing that has brought us all to this time and place in our history. You see, the formation of this and almost every civil society ever formed is a result of a faith-based alliances that brings the masses together. Masses who then build cities. They built cities that then need to be defended from other people who don't share their faith and, and want their stuff. And so the armies were built to defend the cities and the faith from people from other cities who did not share that faith and who also wanted to take their wealth. Wealth that was created as a result of forming these civil societies based on a shared belief or a common religion. And because of that acquired wealth, well, that belief then becomes a belief that I am willing to die for. Now, I've always been a big fan of history because of all the lessons that it can teach us. Most everything you see happening today has already been done. I mean, not as it pertains to the obvious changes in technology, but as it pertains to civil societies and human nature. I was always fascinated by the fact that most wars were fought over differences in a religion or a belief. Well, that and the fact that groups of people wanted to control the land to farm or to mine. The faith thing was just a mechanism used to unite the people who will fight to the death to defend that land and and those minerals. But what intrigued me the most was the wide range of faiths that drove these societies to war. And what could be so compelling within the differing faiths that would motivate people to do so? I mean, was one religion better than the other? Was one faith right and another faith wrong? I mean, apparently all religions and faiths are not equal. And what's so different about one faith that would drive people to kill other people who don't believe as they do? So sometime in my 20s, I took to answering these questions. And ever since, it's been a a lifelong hobby of mine to read about all the religions of the world 
from the perspective of why would they kill each other over these differing beliefs? My personal library is filled with these books of religious text and religious commentary and stories of these wars. I wanted to come to my own conclusion as to which religion was right and which religion was wrong, which religion should be followed, and what was in there that would motivate people to killing. Now, I don't want to come off as some religious scholar because I am not, but I am a man of deep faith and I'm about as informed on the subject as can be without being cloistered. And now, all these years later of studying these books and experience in the world, I have come to my own conclusions on the subject of religion. And just as it's always been done, I see the greatest application of this knowledge is to indoctrinate my children. See, I want to give my children the best chance for a happy and a healthy life as I see it, as has been my experience throughout life and that which I have observed. And I also wanted to give them a sense of faith. But through all my past personal and spiritual experiences that brought me to where I am today, I look back at all these events and I see patterns. There are so many things that I have observed in this life that display physical and noticeable patterns. Patterns that repeat themselves time and again with an incredible consistency. So now what I will do is to use these patterns observed to predict the future for my children and to hopefully set them on the right path. I will give them the best advice that I can possibly glean from all this history and my observation of these patterns. So here's my story of how I got here and why I believe what I believe and what I plan to teach my children. Now, I was born into a second-generation Italian-American family on the East Coast. Both mother and father's families came from Naples, Italy. I was in the middle of five children, and we were all raised Catholic. Easter was the biggest holiday of the year. We never ate meat on Friday, and we went to church every Sunday. And I even spent my freshman year at a Catholic high school. Now, my mom died when I was a senior in high school, and my dad died when I was a freshman in college, even though they were not very old. At that time in my life, I was pretty pissed off. But at the same time, and because of all that, I became invincible. You see, when both your parents are dead, there is nothing more this world can take from you, so you feel invincible. And I was like that for a while. And then I had kids of my own, and my life really changed. It's anyone who has ever had kids surely knows. This was a whole new level of responsibility, and I was, by far, no longer invincible. I raised three children, and I started a business just around the same time as they were born. And I was able to build a beautiful custom home on a three-acre horse farm, and I threw a lot of parties. Now, my family has since grown by two children-in-law and four grandchildren to date. And now I'm doing these podcasts. And so was the, pretty much the summary of my life. But there was one event that happened relatively early in my life that shaped the way I see the world and brought me to a very special place in life. And it's what drives my spirituality. Now, at times I'm reluctant to share the story because the non-believers may write me off as a crackpot. And if that's the case, so be it because I know that a much larger majority of listeners will relate to my story and more times than not have a similar story all their own. It was in the summer of 1973, and I was going with my friend Jimmy to his grandma's house in Fishtown, an enclave in the city of Philadelphia. We took the Amtrak over the bridge, and we walked to grandma's. Now, it was late when we got there, and everyone was asleep, but Jimmy had a key. So we go upstairs to a bedroom, and we quickly pass out. But all during the night, I can hear someone walking the hallways, and it kind of irritated me because it kept me awake. But it wasn't my house, so what am I going to do? Now, at some point during the night, this person opens a door and walks into the bedroom. Now, I'm already awake, but I'm keeping my eyes pinched so that he won't think I'm awake. I wanted to avoid an awkward moment. So I continue to keep my eyes pinched, just enough to see him checking the pockets of my pants that I had thrown on a chair. 
He then walks over to a dresser and he looks into a mirror. He then turns and sees me and he gives me this quick double take. He then heads over towards me to see who I was. Now, my eyes were completely closed now, but I can feel his face just inches from mine. He backs out slowly and, and he heads out the door. But I continue to hear him walk in the hallway all night, keeping me awake. He even peeked his head in the door a couple times just to make sure we're all still good. The next morning at the breakfast table was my friend Jimmy, his sister Kathy, and Grandma, who was doing the dishes. And I'm sitting there waiting for this guy to come down to breakfast. I mean, he checked my pants' pockets. I wanted to see what kind of guy would do that. So it gets to be like 11.30 now, and still no Nightwalker. So I finally asked the question, Hey, who was the guy walking around last night? Is he still here? Now, the look on Kathy's face, who is directly across the table from me, is something that I will never forget. She was wide-eyed and kind of turning white. Then Grandma, oh so casually, says... Well, honey, we're not sure. It's either my husband or his brother because they both died in that room and he's been walking around here for a while. It's interesting that you're able to hear him. I'm like, what? I saw him. Kathy's all, yeah, I'll never sleep in that bedroom. And I'm all, Jimmy, dude, why didn't you tell me? He's like, yeah, man, come to grandma's house with me and see a ghost. I mean, I wasn't even sure he'd come around. He doesn't always come around when I sleep over. So there I was, a 14-year-old with a still malleable brain exposed to something so amazing and so unbelievable, yet so real. I mean, I can still see that man standing in the bedroom and watching him check my pants' pockets. I mean, that shit was real. Now, I had no previous knowledge or experience with spirits, but that's not what I thought I saw. I thought I saw a real man in the real world. Now, having been so generally exposed to this phenomenon, I absolutely accepted the existence of spirits because I really, really saw one. And I've been a believer down to the marrow of my bones ever since that day. I thought hard on the fact that now that I have seen something so impossible, I mean, what more is there to see in this world that is equally deemed impossible? My world was opened up to a whole new world of possibilities. And as a result, I have opened my mind in the most pure and genuine way to a world that exists on a different plane or a different reality or a separate world. Man, I don't know. Nobody knows. And we may never know. And sometimes I wish I didn't know. But I do know because I've seen it. And because I've seen it and I believe it, I can see so much more of it now. And I didn't get here by soliciting it. It comes to me now because I believe in it without a scintilla of doubt. And ever since I've opened up, I mean truly opened up to this world of spirituality, it comes to me in so many different forms. Now, I don't want to sound like someone special because I know it comes to all of us equally. It's just that most people can't see it because most people don't believe it. See, my experience is that it can be seen and looks and can be felt but only if you're truly open to it. And again, I'm nothing special. Like I said earlier, I promise you that the vast majority of people who will listen to my story will have a story all their own, equally unique experience. Now, as I grow older, I see it even more. They come to me without invitation to tell me things I need to know. And years past, it was mostly through dreams, dreams of friends and family who have passed, who come to me to tell me something important, something they wanted to say to me in life that they never got to say. My mother was the one exception. Now, she came to me just six months after her death in broad daylight while I was driving. Her visitation was more like a bolt of lightning that changed the course of my life. Now, you can go on and dismiss this as fantasy, and that's really okay with me. I don't need to convince anyone. It's just that you're missing a miracle. You're missing the blessing of deep spiritual fulfillment, a world that is not only real, but in my humble opinion, essential for a healthy mental life. You're missing the magic of the universe, but it's not really magic. It's real, and it's part of all of us, whether you believe in it or not. And trust me, it's so much more fulfilling if you can believe and have faith. Now, whether you believe or don't believe in this higher power, there is a guarantee of its existence printed 
on every piece of U.S. currency. And every time you exchange a dollar, you're basing the value of that money on a trust in that higher power. And it ain't the government. That higher power is you and me and our desire to prosper in a faith-based, civilized society. It is our common religion as citizens of these United States. It's our shared belief in the beauty of a system that we have made law, a law that's based on the trust in your fellow human to conduct their lives so as to be civil and respectful and aggressive in the protection of these rights and in the defense of this divinely inspired document known as the Constitution. You see, the U.S. Constitution is truly a living document, and the first right in the Bill of Rights is not the freedom of speech or the freedom to assemble or the right to bear arms. No, the first sentence in the First Amendment to this Constitution is an acknowledgement of our spirituality and how divine providence has always been part of our world and always will be. The first statement in the First Amendment says, first and foremost, that Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting its free exercise. You see, so important was the need to protect religion and religious beliefs in this country that it is the first thing that this document promises its people. It is the official government recognition of a higher power. So whether you're religious or not, a believer or not, your right to privacy and to pursue your wildest dreams is not granted by the power of government. No, all of your human rights, your basic unalienable rights that this country promises to protect are based on the existence of an unseen higher power. It is the very definition of a faith-based society. As written by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence, that higher power is officially referred to as the creator. Feel free to call it anything else. But it doesn't matter what you call him, or her, or it. Just recognize that we are basing all of our laws of this country on its existence. That point cannot be overstated. Our rights are not granted by any human or any earthbound being, and therefore cannot be suspended or otherwise usurped by any collection of humans. These rights are granted at birth by a higher power that no act of government can remove. It's all thanks to the genius of our founding and the people who had the foresight to make faith the binding ingredient that unites the people of this country. See, we have the ability to go back in history and see the patterns that have led to the rise and fall of great civil societies throughout all known history. We have the benefit of seeing how many differing methods of running civil societies have played out. And we have, through the power of our founding document, adjusted for it all by providing a cure for all the failures that we can see in the patterns of history. We have a cure for the diseases of faction that can be administered on a single night. And if you don't know what that means, please dial up my podcast called Civil War. It's all explained there. Now, before I close, I promise to tell you what advice I give my children as a result of all this experience and this spirituality. It is the one thing that I am absolutely positively sure of and the last thing that I can prove. And my kids hate me for that. But I can only tell them what I've seen and what I know to be true. And I tell them that they have to take this leap of faith. Faith that your father places so high a priority on the simple teaching that he needs to teach you nothing more. Now, it's been said many times in many different ways and is part of all religions in some form or another. Now, put simply, what you put into this life is what you will get out of it. If your actions, your deeds, and your words are done with honest and good intentions and in respect of others, well, then that is what you will reap. Now, it ain't a perfect system, and there are some unjust and despicable things that go on in this world, but if you can adhere to that one principle, you will have the best chance for success in in this lifetime at this time. It's called faith. It's the acceptance of a higher power, and even if you don't have faith, that higher power will nonetheless be standing by your side if you ever find yourself in a court of law having to defend your civil rights or your freedoms. 
That higher power will guarantee you victory if these rights are ever challenged or otherwise under attack. That higher power will be there to tell the human authorities who wish to encroach on these rights that they cannot. And as long as you reside in this country, the courts and laws that we live under answer to no one else but this invisible creator. And however you see this creator or whatever your religion calls that creator, even if you don't believe in it at all, that creator will always be there to protect you legally as well as spiritually. Now, the greatest recommendation I can ever give to anyone is a conviction to believe in this higher power. You see, both Eric Corey and the United States of America can guarantee you that it really does exist. This is Eric Corey, and thank you for listening.